0: Welcome
1: to Product Coffee, a podcast where product management leaders share stories, advice, and thoughts on all things product over a cup of coffee. Grab a cup of Joe and join us to level up your product career 30 minutes at a time. Our topic today is product team structure. Um, we're going to talk about how uh, um, startups or you know uh, any technology company that we're all working across that involves product um, organize their teams, um, their technology teams. What does that look like? Um, are they objective-based teams? Are they um, any other team, feature teams, um, and, and kind of how that applies to product management um, and how that aids in product management. So let's kick off. Um, we have two guest speakers today, um, Elon and Nate. They're joining us from Klarna. Um, and so I'm going to direct the first question at you, Elon. Um, how is Klarna structured in terms of product team?
2: Thanks, Kevin. Um, so Klarna uh, is, took the model of, uh, I think, Marty Kagan uh, is uh, one of the spiritual animals for Klarna. And according to Inspired, it's more or less uh, have small empowered teams uh, they can do the entire range so for example i work in a clona checkout the checkout product of the clona offers different merchants and in our team we will have a designer we will have an analyst we'll have uh, five back enders three or four frontenders, and uh, an engineering manager and of course me so overall we're, we're quite staffed now inside those teams we're empowered to do everything uh, and we move super fast when it comes to doing things in our team. And uh, I think that's the biggest benefit. So if you're a small product starting like that, in those in Power Team, you could grow
1: fast. Uh, starts, you didn't mention uh, QA, yeah. right? Like I've noticed that as yeah. a trend of new product teams not, not giving any QA love. <laughs> What's well, going on there? That's a, that's a
2: touchy, touchy subject uh, specifically <laughs> in our team. But um, in our... Uh, domain mentality is that there's no QA. Um, QA, the mentality is QA um, creates lazy engineers. Uh, That's the mentality of the engineering manager. And so um, engineers should be able to test everything or create right tests to cover all the edge cases. So they need to own accountable for whatever they execute. Um, I, I was starting to say that for smaller teams like this, structure is fantastic, and small products end to end is fantastic. It's when you grow that that you could see uh, issues. I
3: think like that was when you be start. One of my follow up questions for you: like how how big is your product org? Like how many PMs do you guys have, and how many uh, teams? How many engineers uh, would you say are part of the company?
2: Wow, Nate, this is going to be. Uh, I'm going to say a wild ass guess, but I'm going to think that it we're around 150 product managers or okay. even more.
1: In yeah, Florida.
4: I think I think it's something like that as well. Yeah. Close, close to the 160 even um, at this time.
1: You're talking about product managers specifically. Product, yes. Product teams and, and, yeah.
4: and managed by product managers. Yeah. Wow. Holy crap.
2: Okay. Wait, yes.
1: wait. So, just, to, just to reset there, you said 160 <laughs> product managers or product teams or both?
2: Product teams. Product Each one teams. has an accountable lead that one. is a product wow. owner.
1: Wow. Exactly. Okay, that's a that's a big company.
3: Yeah. So that would put you guys squarely at five times the size of Ibotta because yeah. more than that. <laughs> because I, th- I think, yeah, because we have uh, what Bergen. I, I could be wrong about this, but I think we have like twenty-five product yeah. managers.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, sounds
3: about Something right
0: about that. Wow, I. I was actually going to take us in a totally different direction to my first stint in product management. And it was a one-to-one relationship. Um, I worked at ADT, the home security company, and I was the only product manager on the mobile experience. So oh. I think, I mean, I'm, I'm looking back now, I guess, four years ago, five years ago. So their structure could have dramatically changed since then. But it's so interesting to hear kind of how different organizations um, look at the product role. For ADT at the time, I was the product owner of our mobile app called Pulse. So, it was our that's our home was our home automation platform. And but as at ADT at the time, it was more hardware focused and getting the hardware in people's homes, and less of a concern on the software and interacting with it through a mobile application. So, things might have dramatically changed. But in that being a one one PM with an engineering squad with both iOS, Android, front end and back end engineers, it was really just trying to put out the biggest fire at the time. There wasn't a ton of time to really think strategically and and think about kind of six-month roadmaps. It was, how do we fix the biggest issues that we have in the app right now? And then, you know, at Ibotta, as Lou mentioned, we have 25 PMs across the org. So kind of slicing our areas of ownership um, more narrow than I'm used to. But so, wow, 160 would just be, like, how do you guys split up problem spaces? Like you mentioned, Elon, that you... Work on the checkout side of of the of the product, but how how do you split problem spaces across your domain with with so many PMs and problem or squads?
2: Uh, that's a great question. Um, so you are right that like each squad uh, has its own problem space, and it's important to say unique problem space. So you cannot have two squads doing the same exact thing. Um, so for example, if we take the checkout product, then we have an address collection collecting part. So that will be a team. And then you have someone that is in charge of the shipping methods. That would be a team. And then the payment presentation, that's another team. So this is how it goes down and down in structure and separate.
3: And does that mean you guys are organized in, say, like a subgroup or a group fashion? Like, is there kind of a, a complete, like a parent structure? What does that look like?
2: Yeah, maybe? so that's, that's maybe equivalent to, uh, I think, Nate, we talked about it yesterday, like tribes, they call it
1: in, in, in yeah. Spotify. Exactly. Yeah. yeah.
4: So he, can, we can have you, like Nate, Can group. you
1: talk more about the tribe concept and how that applies to Karna, Klarna?
4: Sure thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so for example, I'm part of the what we call the app domain um, because Klarna has an app as well, and we have a specific uh, group, a very large group of teams and sub teams that are working on on the app domain in itself, and um, essentially. Since that the, the domain is so big, we have larger groups within the domain. So, just to give an example, uh, we have a shopping group, and in that shopping group, we have sub teams, and we call it group, but it's exactly the same thing as a tribe. So, within the tribe, you have multiple squads, and yeah. one of those squads, for example, is is
3: my team, which is shopping payments. Well, it seems like that kind of that structure is kind of replicated, yeah. like what we do. So, like I I have the uh, e commerce subgroup or, or mm-hmm. group or some subgroup and we have four squads right now um two pms uh, that we're kind of but oh, we're hoping to hire another one um pretty soon but yeah so that's kind of the same thing like we have kind of a domain and then each squad takes on a separate you know chunk like i have the browser extension squad we have a web team we have um uh, what we call vex integrations which deals with how we bring third-party content into our extension so we kind of have you know Those similar silos. So it kind of sounds like, from what you guys have, it's pretty pretty similar across the board. One of the interesting things I heard. So I have a friend from Adobe. I've been trying to get on here, and he kind of mentioned to me the other day that their product managers actually don't work with specified teams. Like they don't have squads. Product managers own like a domain, and then basically set their requirements and put it into the engineering queue. And engineers are kind of, you know. Uh, just like it's like a big pool of resource and they like kind of submit their or something t- yeah yeah i yeah. yeah. kind of submit their tasks into it and kind of campaign against other tasks for priority but it's totally different well that's is very interesting, interesting. yeah because yeah. that's
4: completely different from the marty kagan kind of style of doing things right because yeah. in, in, in in his book inspired it's all about being together with your team and kind of um having that Sort of uh, team bonding, uh, and 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 that you're solving the customer's problem together. Everybody understands the customer's yeah. problem, and therefore works on that. So uh, I'd be curious to find out how that works in in that environment.
3: Well, he's leaving Adobe,
4: so I
1: think not well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, so so Lou, why don't you say a little bit more about the the way teams are structured at Ibotta? in comparison to what uh, Elon and, and Nate are experiencing?
3: Yeah, I think one of the things to note about Ibotta is that because we're kind of in that early growth state, when I think when I started, we had less PMs. Um, we're still hiring more. So, you know, I think the question for our organization is how does the structure evolve as we continue to add domain space and add scope? So my just kind of recently, like, so at the beginning of last year, uh, e-commerce as a subgroup did not exist. It was one browser extension squad. We were an offshoot of payments. And then over the course of the year, we formed the subgroup to tackle the domain. Um, and we are organized inside of the growth, um, the growth group, um, actually in the same group as Patrick, who, who just joined on here. Um, so inside of the growth domain, we have e-commerce, we have, uh, saver experience, um, which Patrick leads up over there. Bergen's over on our platform team. Uh, So we kind of have a platform group. We have a redemptions group, uh, which deals with basically how cash comes in and out of the company um, from a product side. And then, you know, we have our growth side, which is where we're attacking new kind of greenfield development and thinking about how we can get incremental value out of existing savers, new savers, and how we can go after new markets. So we kind of have it organized in that In that type of way, and if there's one thing I'd say from our organization is that that seems to change every three months. So, uh, you know, to take it all with a grain of salt, perhaps Bergen can correct me if I'm wrong in any way, shape, or form. There.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, no, I think you 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 nailed it. You nailed it. I'm I am curious because at Ibotta, a lot of our platform teams are responsible for some of the capabilities that the front end teams need and are implementing within. The, the website, the mobile app, the browser extension. And I'm curious if you, are, you all experience the same thing, at least on the platform side. We're responsible for a lot of different services. Sometimes those services don't have all the capabilities the team needs and we become, um, well, we try not to, but there are times when we become a bottleneck to front-end feature implementation. So I'm curious if your teams own both the services as well as, I mean, you mentioned you have, you know, front-end and back-end engineers, but do you own the services within your domain or do you guys encounter similar pain points within your organization? And any advice on if, if you don't and you have it all figured out, do let us know how we can uh, be more efficient because that would be helpful. I hate having to say no, but I mean, I know that's the role, but it's tough. Um, it's a tough balancing act.
3: Uh, she told me no yesterday, so <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm trying to make up for it now.
4: <laughs> so, so I'm going to say at least from my side, and and then I'd love to hear Elon Elon's um, uh, opinion on that as well, in in terms of his experience. So, from 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 my side, it's very interesting because Elon's team and my team are quite similar in a way. So his team is more on the website where he provides a a space for the payment methods to be shown and for address module to be shown, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, From my side, it's pretty much the same, uh, but within the app. And so that means that in order for us to, for example, allow for a customer to, to receive credit and showcase them the, the payment method, that payment methods that Klarna offers, uh, we have a lot of dependencies. And anytime that those dependency dependencies want to change something in the flow, they have to go through us. And anything that anytime that we do things, we have to go through them as well in some way, shape, or form. So it involves a lot of communication. Uh, making sure that everybody's aligned in terms of when certain things are going to happen, what the priorities are. So it, it's a balancing act, I'd say. It's I have to say no at times as well, and and, and that's quite quite challenging. Uh, but usually once we keep communicating from the start, um, it, it it kind of smoothens the process over time. And if something needs to be reprioritized, we always uh, provide reasons as, as to why we do that. And so far, uh, I mean... There haven't been any internal wars <laughs> yet. Uh, I hope it stays that way. But um, but yeah, it's 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 always a balancing act. I'd say communication is the is the best solution. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah. I can so- I can add to it from the other side uh, <laughs> of uh, of the web. Like when when the Clona checkout products just started, yeah, we owned all the services, and so that's how a small empowered team really scales fast. Um, but once each one of the services became its own problem space and ended up as its own team and servicing other places of Klarna, for example in the app and other places, then all of a sudden there's a fight over priorities, and and you don't not everyone is aligning under the same cause and under the same strategy because now everyone is serving different products inside of Klarna, so you'll end up having uh, cases in which. One team needs to serve the app and the app is doing fantastic in the U.S. And so that's the priority all of a sudden. So all the other products that are using the same resource, requesting stuff from the same team, are now going to get deprioritized. So that's the ups and downs of this empowered uh, system. There's a lot of syncing in place.
3: That's kind of like, that's kind of something that I've been trying to work on structure-wise for our subgroup as thinking about how we can reduce those dependencies. Cause kind of, as you described, we actually, we built two service like fundamental services this year that have spun out into squads in different groups um, of the business, which means that we kind of don't own their roadmap anymore, but we're still highly dependent on those services for our success, which is um, both good and bad, right? It's great that they're now a full team, but it's also, you know, bad in a way. Cause it's like, well, we don't own their roadmap anymore, so one of the things that I've been trying to do from a subgroup level is look at these type of dependencies and think about what are the ways in which we can add new teams to the subgroup. So maybe it's not that a single squad can own its entire domain, but maybe the entire subgroup can own its domain as closely as it can. Like We might have teams that are all building toward the same subgroup mission, you know, but at the same time. Uh, we can own the majority of the services, eighty to ninety percent that we need, you know, so that we can reduce dependencies externally. And that's kind of been something that I've been trying to do with our, with our group recently, adding some more platform support different to different teams to do more platform work, um, and thinking about those blockers and how we can remove them through structure, which has kind of been fun.
0: Yeah, I think a key component to it, and it's something we talk about a lot on our squad and in our problem space, is. As we've grown really quickly, we've our services have gotten large and very complex. So it's a focus for our team to take the complex services that we have and break them into individual microservices that are slices of the big thing beneath, making it easier to, to really support the model that Lou is talking about and making it easier for other developers To work in our system, we would still own maybe the service, but there it's making it much easier for those other developers to work in those services, hopefully kind of you know expediting timelines and not block, you know, not being like, oh, we'll get to it next quarter. But now you have this service that you're able to build your additional capabilities in and figuring out some sort of a model where. You know, as a project kicks off, you would bring in engineers from our domain, but then, and we would help kind of shepherd you through the process of working on that implementation and be available for PRs and making sure that things are before code is committed, that everybody gives it a thumbs up. But that way, we're not saying, hey, we'll get back to you next quarter as we go into quarterly planning. I think it, it's a goal that we're, it's kind of, we have a lot of goals that I bought up, but that's kind of an underlying goal for our squad as we focus on 2021 and, and figuring out ways to be less of a blocker and be more of an enabler for other teams and, and encouraging them to work in our different services so uh, we're not slowing things down on our side.
4: That's very interesting because um, my team is going uh, through the the exact same thing. We have uh, in in the past sort of built on to one particular service, and it's become a monolith right now uh, to the extent where some of it is breaking down and we can't really – it's not easy to figure out the root cause of certain things breaking down. So throughout 2020, we've really focused on how can we break this out into separate microservices and how can we break it out in such a way that it can actually uh, uh, benefit to have a team there right and um, so that that's one way that we've done things but at the same time because of the fact that our team is handling this this monolith it takes a lot of resources it takes a lot of effort to 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 maintain it to build on features and to investigate incidents when they go on so um, in order to expand so provide business value in in the more short term uh, we've decided to create what we call a leap team and i think you have all talked about this in the form of strike teams before in the previous yeah. uh, episode and so it's something similar to that where where we have a team that has cross domain competencies uh, in terms of engineering support. And they then run on uh, delivering some projects or some some particular goals that are going to provide short-term business value. And so in that way, we're kind of setting ourselves up for the future while at the same time also providing that business value. So I just find it very interesting to hear that that you guys are going through the same.
0: The exact same evolution. We have a monolith and then we also my team owns what now is called a mini monolith because
4: we tried to make things <laughs> nice. easier, but now we're monolith 2.0. Is
0: that so. name trademarked? I want to use that
3: as well, <laughs> <Yeah>. mini monolith. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, either are or do. son of monolith. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's great.
2: I got a, yeah.
1: so, so it's a, another question here to get us down a little bit of a different topic, but the, the management frameworks for these teams, right? I, I think with Ibotta, we, we, have talked about this uh, before in the past that um, Ibotta is very, OKR heavy. heavy. Um, is that similar to how you you guys are, um, are, are managing these teams, like the roadmaps and the, the, the tasks and the features that you guys go and accomplish. Can you speak a little bit more about that?
4: So I know that Elon is is more focused on A, or at least has tried to, to implement OKRs. This is something that I'm tr- I'm going to try in in, in this year, at least to, to implement in the team, because I feel I've been reading so many articles on OKRs and I believe that that's a, a good way to go. Uh, but considering that we are so focused on the re-architecture, it's just never been the right time to do so. Um, but that being said, in terms of the the management, um, the the way that we do it is that we, myself and my engineering manager, engineering manager in my team, we sit together a lot and make sure that we focus on the right priorities and build a roadmap based on, um, again, the long term uh, impacts that we can provide with the rearchitecture. And that's going to uh, translate into customer value, of course, because the more stabilized the system is, the better value that we can provide, but then also the short-term value that we can provide. And that's how we build up our roadmap and communicate that outwards. Uh, but I'm very keen to hear what, what Elon has on his OKRs.
2: Yeah. Um, well, as Nate said, I tried. i going to end with that. But uh, I think the way that we work, we work with uh, KPIs mm-hmm. and then... I think have a similar situation as Burian because we also um, slowly turning into a platform as the product becomes more mature and more services are running on it. So it's more important to focus on stability now and uh, release processes and automated testing. And we found ourselves in a midst of migrations and restructures. So now they became the deliverables. You can really put KPIs on them. So now the targets are actually, did you deliver this or not? And uh, in order to do that well, we're now trying to. Okay, we're going to deliver it, but let's define success here. And that's basically OKRs. Um, so they kind of reached OKRs, but they reached it from a different direction. But I'll still, we'll still emphasize on. Um, how do we define success? And that's what really important was to get the team engaged. Like, okay, we can either just deliver it or we can, um, you know, <laughs> measure success on it and, and then really try to deliver it in a good time or in a good process.
1: That sounds great. And it's always interesting to hear how other, how these other teams at other companies and, um, how, how we're structured oriented and how we drive and define success. Um, and, you know, uh, it's, it, I, I appreciate you guys joining and, and giving us all this great insight. Um, you know, hopefully the, the rest of the Klarna folks can listen to this and be proud of, <laughs> of your two representation of it. Um, if not, you know who to yell at. Um, <laughs> uh, so, so we're going to wrap this up here and wanted to, to ask this of the group, what kind of, uh. I guess homework might not be the right thing, but what what kind of, uh, you know, questions or challenges or or insights do you want to learn from the product community around product team structure? It's your opportunity to talk to the product coffee crowd.
3: So it seems like one thing we all centered on is this concept of removing blockers both inside of the team and out, you know, internally and externally. And, how we can approach that either structurally or as part of our groups and our prioritization. So I think that sounds like a a thing that I would say for everybody to take back and kind of consider. Um, Don't think about short-term, think about it long-term as well.
2: Yeah. I can, I can add and say, uh, it, it relates to the question of when do you split a team, right? When is the problem space becoming too big and it's time to split the team? When is the time to decide on, okay, we're a platform now. I think that's uh, that's another good good you point have that we answer all talk about. Or
1: are you just asking the question? <laughs> yeah,
2: I think that I think that it's it's a struggle. Uh, yeah, no, um, I agree. When I is agree. the right time?
1: Yeah, I would love to I hear think what, the product coffee feedback on that. Uh, yeah. Nate, what do you got?
4: I, I think what's important, at least that that's something that I've learned in the past couple of months as we've been doing this whole rearchitecture. We've been focused so so much on the long term. Uh, that i think it's it's very important to also look at the medium term and short-term goals because even if you go for a a, a long-term rearchitecture which could put, potentially spawn into multiple teams that's all great and you're you're building for the long term but don't ever forget to also focus on what business value are you providing in the short term and medium term because that's what management is going to look at and that's what's good for the business as well
0: yeah, great. only recommendation is, is start to think about, as we've talked about, breaking down uh, large services, making them more uh, flexible and easier for other developers to work within. Think about how you can, um, whether you use OKRs or not, but create some goals that your teams can work towards. So I know it's a big push for our team on the platform side and um, thinking about how we scale our platform. So just um, if you if you set a goal, even if it's not quarterly, but I think, in the case of most platform teams, six month goals make much more sense than three month goals it takes a lot of time <laughs> to make some of these fundamental changes. But think about how you could start to set some goals with your team and I think on the engineering side they they'll be really grateful that you're you're helping dive into this as a product manager,
1: yeah, and I think in terms of like when to Break off, um, like what, what Elon was mentioning, into two smaller groups. If you're a startup and you're just joining, and you know you have one giant technology organization, and you have a standup that's lasting longer than thirty minutes, and everyone's giving a status update, it's probably too big. That's my advice. (laughs) Um, But with that, it looks like we finished up all of our coffee. So uh, thank you for joining us. Subscribe uh, uh, on all the podcast forums and uh, uh, go level up.